Welcome to Mystery Outsiders and Abs. I'm Kevin Weir. I'm Aaron Weir, and this is a teen drama fan cast. And we certainly got ourselves a weird episode this week. I, I, I liked, liked it. it. I li- here's the thing. I like the setup. I like. I love when TV shows do what a I can only... Thing. A thing. Yeah, a theme yeah. episode almost. Like, so there is this amazing episode of One Tree Hill. And One Tree Hill is not a notoriously great show. Yeah. It's pretty good. It is like the epitome of CW. And you have probably never seen this episode. Probably not. But you may have heard of it. Yeah. Um, so One Tree Hill in their fourth season did a school shooting episode because that's yeah. what everyone was doing in is 2003. That... No, no. OC is the mm, what you say. Yes. All right. And that's not a school shooting. That's just well, a, a thing shooting. that happens. Yeah. 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 Um, so One Tree Hill did their school shooting episode. And then a couple episodes after that, they did this super cool, like very structured, weird episode where the school was trying to make all the teenagers like reconnect and get over their PTSD <laughs> from the school shooting. Yeah. So they like they paired them up and they sent them off to answer like five questions with their partners. Yeah. And at the end, they had to take a picture that they thought like really epitomized their partner. Okay. And so the entire episode is structured as these random pairings, some which, yeah. you know, ex-boyfriend, ex-girlfriend, or strangers who never talked to each other, or people who almost became a couple and then didn't, yeah. or um, the girl who was, I think, if I recall correctly, it's the girl who was shot during the school shooting, and either the best friend of the guy who did the shooting, or the girlfriend of the best friend. So it's, it's essentially but, either, the, either the school that did this pairings was like, <laughs> look... I got an idea. Or they're like, nah, do whatever we want. Randomly. Let's see what happens. Oh, man. The girl who got shot and the best friend of the guy who did it are paired. It's either that or it's (laughs) the girlfriend of the best friend of the guy who did the shooting. So either way. Either way. Either way. It's like. Like it's it's a thing. And so. um, It's been two days. We should probably deal with this. Yeah. And so it's structured in a way where they each go through asking the five questions. And the final thing is they take their photos. And I mean, it's One Tree Hill. This is not like high art. (laughs) But it's such a good episode. And even though I don't remember the details now, it still resonates with me. Well, things that have structure really uh, like feed well with people mm-hmm. there's a reason why even like anthologies like them being structured in a certain way around a certain theme makes people like them more yeah it, it makes it resonate yeah, it doesn't change the quality of the writing at all but to hear like oh this anthology's theme is this or this all takes place over one night or like well and part of it is like sometimes people can't understand why something connects for them yeah they just know it does and because case, some people don't have that training yeah. And in case uh, what we're saying doesn't make any sense to you because you only listen to us and don't watch the TV show, uh, the way that this episode of Riverdale is structured is that it's uh, it's three stories that are happening. It took me a while, but I they're happening Eventually. concurrently. It's they they really rush through the like these stories hit and bounce like through mm-hmm. very very quickly. They take they because they each take place over forty eight hours, which is an, an ins- insane amount of time to take a third of your. I will say, so Riverdale is approximately 42 minutes, if you exclude commercials. Yeah. 42 to 45. This rushed by. Yeah. Like, I typically have three pages of notes for the show. I have two and then, like, a one-liner. Yeah. Well, it's it's because, like, they just wanted to get all these. I think they were a little bit, 
I think they overreached in certain things to make it 48 hours. There are certain things that, like, if they, they didn't done, land. It didn't land as well. If they had done it over 24 hours or 36, yeah. like, from evening one day until morning, not the next day, but the morning after that. Yeah, I can't think I of, think that would have... I can't think of any of these storylines that I feel, like, required 48 hours. Maybe Josie for time? Also, Josie's entire storyline took place over school days. Yeah. And I didn't feel like the other ones did. Yeah, because they were because they were out at like three or four AM. So like having sleepovers on school nights. <sighs> I don't know. Well, let's just get into it then. Let's so get into this it. is episode seven. Tales from the Dark Side. Tales from the Dark Side. So immediately you are shown that this is not going to be a normal episode because it has a title scroll. It's like it's a documentary <laughs> and also a montage. Yeah. It, when I saw it, I'm like, are they going to do like a found – because if they did a found footage type thing, that would oh, be – Oh, that would have been so cool. That would have been cool. insane. But no, instead it was like this weird meta thing where it's like – But it was set up like it would the, be found footage. The following – well, so it was set up like Tales from the Dark Side. It's like – Yeah. Um, here, like uh, the the following stories are about the the town that's under attack from the 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 title card means nothing. It's just thematic. Also, I will say it says it's like over forty eight hours. They all had this experience, and shockingly, these teenagers experienced each of these three murders. And I'm like, oh yeah, nope, no, no. The nope, the the, re- nope. the reason these events were so terrifying is because they because they were witnessed by such young people. I'm like, nothing particularly terrifying happens in this episode. I mean, except. Except for, uh, we'll get to it. When the teenagers make their own things terrifying. (laughs) We'll get to it. Uh, But the title card is all thematic. Like, that you get that information in the next scene, which is essentially that the Black Hood put a letter of Hop Tate's. And so we have a montage of all of the characters sort of reacting to the letter, but also just, like, doing their life. Because they got the letter, and then it was put in the paper, because, of course, Alice put it in the paper. And most of them read the paper, or here, I don't know. I don't know. But, but the the idea of the Black Hood is like, hey, uh, if you can show me that this town is pure heart, then everything will be fine and I will be done. Do not sin for 48 hours. And you're like, hey, TV show, you're <laughs> going to fail at that. Well, at which point the entire town forgets. Oh, immediately. Well, and also, like, this 100% this is not fair of the Black Hood to do because he couldn't expect everyone to know about it. They don't no! Even, they don't even know what his morality system is. He didn't even publish it in the newspaper. He put it on Pop Tate's door. Well, he assumed that Alice would be crazy and publish it. But guess what? Alice isn't in this episode. Like, with the, the, our only, the only assumption I can make is that he knew this would fail. Like, he's just doing it for fun. The problem is that nobody cares. Like, nobody seems to care this is no, going on. No one is concerned. It's just the Black Hood being like, ha ha, I knew people were bad at heart. Kevin, can I point out? Yeah. Jughead got a serpent tattoo. At some point, yeah. At some point. Yeah. It's on his arm. It's super healed. Yeah, because Betty and uh, Jughead are hanging out. In bed. In, in bed. And Betty... In a fancy bed. I don't know where they are. I don't know um, where they are either. I guess they're at a hotel. They have Probably. to be at a hotel. Um, That's why Jughead only has $18 throughout this entire episode. Uh, Betty is like... They're talking about how um, the teacher was killed, mm-hmm. and Betty was like, how did he get into the police station? Unless, and goes, stops. And the judge is like, what do you mean? I'm like, we are like, it's very clear what she means. And yeah, Betty's like, I read the internet. I know the number one fan theory. <laughs> well, also, 
as it would make if yeah getting into a police station ma- makes you point more toward a cop yeah also it was a virtue killer yeah which points towards someone who has a moral standing also a cop which could point toward a cop not saying that all virtue killers are cops no but some are uh yeah and then uh we get uh Jughead gets a call and we get a uh a title screen that says Jughead and Archie Jughead and Archie Um, so, guess who's on the phone, y'all? It's Penny Peabody, the one we were told to... <laughs> one we forgot about until I said her last episode. And mostly, I just... Mostly, I'm... Oh, God, Penny Peabody. So, what Penny Peabody does is she says, Oh, my God, Jughead, the ghoulies went after your dad in prison. All of their leadership is in prison. Yeah, no, they're, they're upset because all their higher-ups got sent to prison because of that stunt that you pulled. I'm like, all their higher-ups were at a drag race okay, for... we did establish that Melchior... Melchior, yes. Melchior was I mean, the I, leader. I guess. And was, like, a 20-year-old... They're a very youthful gang. Mostly what this made me think is that, like, oh, the Serpents really are not a gang because none of them are in jail to protect FP. Yeah, and one of them should be. Any of the Serpents should be in jail. Come on, soft boy. What do you mean? None of the Serpents are in jail. No one wants to protect their leader. I don't care about protecting their leader. None, None of them have ever committed a crime before to go to jail, but apparently it's full of ghoulies. So the Serpents is not a gang. Let's just no, be it's clear. Not. They're not a gang. But but Penny Peabody wants it to be a gang. So she calls in her favor. Well, she's, she's really weird about it. She's just kind of like... I need some money to protect your dad. Hey, if, if you do this and you sell this... Um, Pancake mix. It's in a crate. That's you the, have to take the crate that's the to size Greendale. of a large dog. Um, don't be in Greendale after midnight. What? You don't want to be there then. Yeah, which puts a time constraint on it that doesn't mean anything. She's not saying you have to get it done by midnight. She's like, just like <laughs> streets get sketchy after midnight, which is the same theory as like Ted from How I Met Your Mother being like nothing good happens after two a.m. Yeah, it's just like hey, Greendale gets sketchy. We're like we have no proof of that. Yeah, the only what, thing, what's the sketch? The only thing we know about Greendale is that that's where uh. Miss Grundy was murdered by the Black Hood, who is now in Riverdale. So. So. Anyway, um, what she says is that Jughead, like, does her plan for her. Yeah. Then she'll take his cut of the money and save FP. Yeah. Or she's, something. She, said she's, she would work toward a earlier release. Um, and she's like, hey, can't use your bicycle. You're going to need, uh, like, do you have a truck or something? I thought he did. I thought so, too. FP 100% has a car. Yeah. And if FP has a car, then doesn't well, Jughead have automatic well, access to it? I'm just remembering it? the first episode where he steps out of his trailer, remembers all snowy, mm. and he looks at the car and then looks at the motorcycle and picks the motorcycle. Like, it's supposed to be a moment that he chose to do motorcycle rather than car. But now, for dramatic reasons, he has to call Archie. So Archie can borrow his dad's truck. Yes, to pick up that giant crate. So, in the very next scene, in the very next scene, Archie Andrews 
is driving that truck. Yeah. Now, I believe it was established <laughs> in the first episode that Archie Andrews does not have a driver's license. Do you think, do you think that what happened is that he drove his dad after he got <laughs> shot and was just like, I could drive. Do you think Sheriff Keller was like, hey, you saved an upstanding citizen from death. Here's here's your driver's license. Here's an honorary driver's license. I know you're not 16 yet. Don't worry about it. It's just on a piece of paper with pen. It's just like a picture of Archie being like, thumbs up. And it says, this boy can drive. (laughs) I'm just saying... This show plays, like, real fast and loose with their ages. Yeah, why doesn't... But why... It wouldn't be that hard to just switch their plates and have Jughead drive. Which also, is canonically true. Kevin, why can't they be seniors? I don't know, Aaron. Why can't they be... They want to keep them in high school for as long as possible, Okay, Aaron. but the first two seasons have taken place over the same three months. <laughs> yeah, Aaron, as long... They don't, they don't want to go the high school musical route where they start in the second year, so they have to have the second movie be over the summer so they can still do a senior year as the third or movie. Or they could have done what One Tree Hill did, where they made them start as juniors who can drive and then made each TV season take place over half a year of high school. Aaron, as long as possible. And then, do you know what One Tree Hill did? Yeah. They graduated. Yeah. And One Tree Hill was like, you know... We're not going to do something dumb where we're like, everyone goes to college in the same town as they went to high school. Yeah. So they just skipped over four years. Yeah. They just skipped right over university. And Aaron, they cannot do that. There's anything that we that the Archie fans have learned is that when you go ahead and Archie, things get super weird. That's that's when Cheryl became a wash of actress, got breast cancer. That's, that's when true. Archie got shot. Like <laughs> we did make the mistake of researching tales from Archie. Like no life with Archie. Yeah, once you once you go further than high school Archie, it gets weird. Things go bad as long as possible. So anyway, <laughs> they get a flat tire. Shocking. I mean, oh they, no! Sorry, but they first, talk, yeah, they talk first a bit they about. talk about how Archie has a dream for their future <laughs> that they just skip university and they move to New York and have a small. Yeah. Studio flat in the East Village. Where Jughead would be a writer and he would be a musician, a musician, which means that he made this plan in the last three months. And also, it means that Archie doesn't think musicians or writers need post-secondary education. Well. Which is, the two of us both have arts degrees. Well, Aaron, in, in, incorrect. In, in film, that's true. In film, if you go to if you go to school to be an artist, you're it means a you're, sellout. It means you're a sellout and a bad artist. It's oh. not about going to school; it's about going from your heart. How dare both of us have careers in the arts right now? <laughs> We're doing it wrong. No. And then they get a flat, and then the most insane thing happens. Okay, before the insane thing, they try to come up with backup plans, which are. Call Kevin. That's one of the insane things, Aaron. Or call Triple C. Yeah, they don't have Triple A, they have Triple C. <laughs> but then. But then. But then. But then a truck pulls over, and out of the truck comes Tony. Candyman Todd. Kevin. Yeah? Tell me more about Tony Todd. Tony Todd is a character actor, most known for, be- for having very small roles in, in like, independent horror films. Like... <laughs> I worked on a horror film. Yes, you know, he zomb- did. It was a zombie film. And there was a moment where everyone was sitting around, including the, you know, I was hearing the producing directors talk. 
And they were like, well, we got to find someone to do this. And they were mentioning different names. One of them was like, well, Tony, we could get Tony Todd. Tony Todd will do it. Like, why not? <laughs> and it's like, yeah, you know what? Tony Todd probably would do a one, like, one-day shoot of a mm-hmm, independent mm-hmm. horror film. You know who else I got in the film you worked on? Who's a very short, very strong man who I didn't realize was short until I no, saw that's, him. That's a different. That's a different film. Oh no, I'm I'm talking. No, you're talking about Danny Trejo. That was a different film I worked on. How many independent horror films have you worked on? I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say that one was an independent horror film. That one was like an action. But it was a zombie film, wasn't it? It was. It was an action zombie film. The other one was a zombie film. Guys, this one, is what we do in Canada. One had one had guns. Mm. And an angel mm. and shooting, mm. and the other one was running away from zombies in the uh, in the desert. Mm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. FYI, guys, in Canada we mostly film zombie films or Christmas movies um, or weird westerns. Uh, yeah, weird westerns. Okay, in Canada, I mean Alberta. It's mostly westerns, which is also why you get deserts and things like that. Oh, I've watched a lot of Christmas movies that were filmed here. Also Christmas movies, A lot of my friends are in these weird western Christmas movies. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. Anyway, Mm -hmm. Tony Todd comes out, and Tony Todd is all creepy, because that's the only way Tony Todd can play any character. So he will take someone with him, but only for some money. But Jughead only has $18, so he only has room for one person and the crate. And also, you can't look under the tarp. For some reason. And then he gets in the car, and he's like, I thought your friend there was Jason Blossom. All kind of weird things tonight. Main credits. I want to point out. (laughs) Yeah. During their insane offers of things that could happen, they did say Betty could come help them. Because Betty can also drive a car. I mean, she knows how to drag race. How old are these characters? I only said Kevin because I'm like, yeah, I just got the son of the police chief. He's he's super down with that. I can't even. Okay, so back to the weirdness. Yeah. Riverdale apparently has a weird, like, religious public asset, access radio channel. It's like a, like some, bap- maybe satellite radio. It's some, like, weird Baptist, like, station where, the, where you have... Someone who's on it, who who is definitely has father in their name. Yeah, they're definitely a preacher slash DJ, and, and they're like, like father, Hiram Lodge. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to do like a real Mennonite name, and it just went sideways. No, it's ba- Aaron. It's full on Baptist. All it's right. like the devil has come to Riverdale, and he's going to smack the evildoers. And Jacob's <laughs> just like, ugh. <laughs> And then Tony Todd is like, yeah, this reminds me of the Riverdale Reaper. And that's going to come back later. Yeah, but for now, we need to cut back to Archie, who has gotten his tire fixed because he called Triple C, I assume. Triple C came on down. And then he sees, like, a bloody CGI deer crossing the streets. Smash cut. Well, no, then he looks at the sun and says Greendale and Riverdale. And then he makes a choice. Which is a weird scene. But it's a good choice because Tony Todd also has a dead deer in the back of his car. I mean, he's a hunter. he's a hunter. And, and, and like, in, during the entire bit, he sees, like, Jughead sees blood because Tony Todd went to get gas. Jughead sees blood in the back of the um the truck. And I'm like, he's a hunter. You mm-hmm, live in... Mm-hmm. Connecticut? You live in the forest, which means he's a hunter. Mm-hmm, I mean, mm-hmm. don't get me wrong. He's still creepy, but he's also a hunter. But his tarp is okay. And then he's like, I'm hungry, young boy. Let's go have dinner together. <laughs> the drive from Riverdale to Greendale is so long. Uh, it ha- apparently it is so long. So oh, my God. go in. They have some dinner. Tony Todd tells him about the Reaper. <laughs> and there's this 
there's this hilarious moment during this talk where after he gives the whole Reaper, like, explains, like, the Reaper, like, went in and he shot a bunch of people with a shotgun. And then Jughead's and like, what happened to him? He... He says, like, well, some people say that uh, these people came out and they hung him. Other people say that he left town. And other people say that he's still here. I'm like, so anything, anything happened. Literally anything happened. <laughs> some people say he's dead. Some people say he's alive. Some people say he's a ghost. The important thing to know <laughs> is that there was a lynch mob. Mm-hmm. And this obviously took place during the riots the Pop Tate told us about earlier. That you, you, yes, maybe. Aaron, I don't know anymore. But, I don't know if those are just throwaway lines. But Kevin... How have we not heard of the Riverdale Reaper before this? How has Betty not come across Aaron, this in her research? Because, because they're writing this series episode by episode. Is the Riverdale Reaper real? <laughs> or did Tony Todd just make him up? Oh, I hunch- Is Tony Todd the Riverdale Reaper? I, no, because no, they're not going to get Tony Todd back. <laughs> I don't I, I believe that this was the one shot. I'll do one episode. Um, and two... <laughs> I can both believe that he is real and he's not real. The fact that Jughead brings him up later makes me feel he's real. Because Jughead's like, maybe this was a clue. It's which, a which, clue. Which means it's a clue. Hey, guys, guess what? It's killing season in Riverdale. Yeah. And then then he, then he Tony Todd gets very aggressive and is like, this young boy is going to pay for our food. And he's like, I, don't ha- I gave you all my money. Which makes me ask... How does Jughead pay for his groceries? What is his income now that the movie theater has I shut down? I think it's all cash. I think everything he has is cash. Which but, is why he, he only has the money he carries with him. But where does he get the cash from? Is Aaron, there just like... he's the leader of a gang. Oh, so we'll just give him cash. Yes, all Aaron! Right. <laughs> so Jughead... He joined a gang! So he does have that tattoo. Uh-huh. So Jughead cannot pay for dinner because his $18 went towards gas. Yeah. Conveniently, somehow Archie knows that they're in this cafe. Well, no, he's, he definitely saw the murder truck outside with a box in the back of it. But are they in the cafe or are they in the gas station? Archie doesn't know that. I assume he went to both. Is Archie just like bursting into places and being like, hey, I'm saving my friend. And to be fair, right before this was a fight and then he like he saw people shouting. And also we can just tell, he uses robo hearing to be like, there's a fight going on somewhere. So Archie comes on into the cafe. He's like, hey, I'll pay for dinner. Situation diffused. Except Tony Todd's like, no, these boys are sinners. I'm out of here. He, Sin has overwrought Riverdale. He did, no, he did that before Archie entered. But then he still stormed off. No, no, he did. No, I mean, situation diffused because you know that what you know what happened after that scene? They went outside, got the got it <laughs> got the box off, moved it to Archie's truck, waved goodbye, and then he drove off. And he was like, sinners. Goodbye, sinners. <laughs> Have a good night. Remember to tell your friends about Tony Todd, character actor. <laughs> so anyway. They, I was a candy man. They get to Riverdale. No, Greendale. Greendale. And then we find out they are <laughs> delivering drugs to the Nazis. Yeah, they're, they're, they're delivering dr- drugs to villains from an Indiana Jones movie. So they're Nazi or Nazi adjacent. They're real close to Nazis. There's there's an old woman in a wheelchair, and they're all wearing black, and then there's a taller man behind her. <laughs> With pushes, sunglasses and a cap. Who pushes her around, and they're Nazis. So the Nazis reveal <laughs> that Jughead, they have promised that... Jughead has not promised this. Yeah. But the lady said that the sharks... Nope. Serpents. <laughs> it's really hard for me not to compare this to West Side Story. Nope. 
not Suicide Star anymore. This is this is Indiana Jones, the drug mule. So uh, Penny Peabody has promised the Nazi lady yep. that the serpents have taken over the ghoulies' drug trade. Yeah, and then this would just cause that's, this and would young just keep young Jughead Jones will deliver every delivery, and the Nazi lady is like, which of you is Jughead? So. This is what I mean. The serpents are not a gang, except for Soft Boy and and <laughs> Miss Peabody really wants it to be a gang. And everyone else is just like, ma. <laughs> like Miss Peabody is a lawyer who's just like, I bet I could turn this gang into a gang. Because there's not a grown up. Yeah. <laughs> in the serpents who'd be like, Yeah, I'll drive those. Yeah. Why does she want the child to do it? Well, we find that out. <sighs> I don't know. So we go back to Pop Tates where there is a very dramatic red and blue tinged conversation where Jughead and Archie are like, oh, we got to figure this out. Well, but Jughead actually completely is like, then, like, no, hang on, hang on a second. The Reaper. Let me just talk with the Reaper for a second. And the Jughead's Archie. like, hey, hey, let's do some research. And then Archie is like, meh. And she's like, look, do you remember last, you remember three months ago? <laughs> I'm not a researcher. Maybe you should ask Betty. Maybe you should ask someone, maybe you should ask someone who was involved with the storyline last year. I'm just afraid of stage fright. Also, he does mention that he, have to say, he has to take Moose to physical therapy, so that's good. He does say that. <laughs> Great. Yeah, good. good. So then um, we hear, so it's like very, very early. Yep, Jughead has to go to visiting hours at the... visiting hours start at sunrise. Because that's the time on the clock. Yeah, why not? So he shows up there, and Kevin Jughead said, has been awake for twenty uh, for forty eight hours at this point. And then Kevin says, "Hey, Aaron, do you think Penny Peabody was lying?" And I was like, "No, definitely not." Why? Why? Why did you not think she would be lying? I just I wanted the Nazi plot to be more important than the Penny Peabody plot. <laughs> I think they're connected. I know, but I still think the Penny Peabody plot. I now think it's more important. I mean, it's yes, it's more important than the fact that they're selling drugs to the Nazis. <laughs> yeah. But hey, no, FB's totally fine, which prompts Jughead to go to Penny Peabody and be like, "WTF?" And then she's like, "FP made me a promise." Yeah, boy, she really sucks. He didn't deliver it. So now, hey, youth. I have a video of you guys delivering a crate. Yeah. So I've just started with you. So there's and a f- I'm like, hey, Penny Peabody, they're 15. Yeah, there's a few holes in your plan, lawyer woman. If he's like, okay, I'll go tell the cops that you... That, that you- you're a grown woman who blackmailed me, a 15-year-old. Well, into, into delivering drugs. You told me that it, that it was a pancake mix. I believed it was pancake mix. I'm a child. You lied to me, Penny Peabody. You said if I delivered the pancake pancake mix, I could save my dad. I'm just a dumb child whose father's in jail. I'm a child who wants to save my dad. Please, I just want to save my dad. I'm 15. There is no, there is no jury in the world. Especially if you take off his his uh, toque. Yeah. And if you make Archie go in there, and Archie's like, hello. <laughs> I'm on no, the no, football no, team. No, 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 no. You cannot have Archie go in there. He tell them the truth. <laughs> you keep Archie off the no, stand. No, Archie is still in the dark, though. Archie still thinks it's pancake mix. <laughs> Wait, that'd be great if he just imagined the entire time. It's... <laughs> all right, all right, Archie. Look, you're going to have to go on the stand, and you're going to have to tell them what you think was in the box. Pancake mix? Wait, what? Jughead, you said it's pancake mix. It... Yes, it was, Archie. It was pancake mix. I thought it was really important. The people of Greendale are very hungry. Yeah, those Nazis really wanted that pancake mix. It's very hard for Nazis out there. They're still fighting a war. (laughs) 
they're still on wartime rations. We have to feed them. Those Nazis are real dumb. <laughs> they need all the help they can get. I know they're Nazis, but in their hearts, they're still good. <laughs> oh, Archie, no. No, Archie. I read this New York Times piece. <laughs> Archie, stop reading the newspaper. You believe everything you hear. I just heard that the last bad Nazi was killed. I think maybe Glee said that. Hey, did you? Did you? Uh, you the world's flat? That's crazy, right? I thought it was round. Turns out it was flat. I need to destroy my globe. I have to make it flat. <laughs> I need to flatten my globe. That explains why maps are flat. Duh. Archie. Oh. And okay. that's... uh. That's that storyline. That's that storyline. So then we get Josie. Which I want to point out is not called Josie and Cheryl, nor is it called Josie and the Pussycats. It's just Josie. Josie gets her own storyline. Both of which would be accurate titles. Yeah. So apparently she needs to stay at school late to play her music. And she's allowed to hang out there all alone. Thanks to the janitor who's like... Her friend? Yeah, don't worry. You can play music here because apparently she can't play her music at home. Which we thought was weird until we found out that the McCoys have moved into into the five seasons. Yeah, because you know what's really safe? A building anyone can walk into. A building where a child was almost murdered and a different child was almost date-raped. That's safe. I mean, they did not know that he was almost murdered in that building. But the date rape thing happened. I mean, that definitely did happen. Also, the jingle jangle party happened. The thing is that, like, hotels are just not as safe as other buildings. because Because no! hotels are made for people to go into hotels. I would imagine, and I don't know, but I think if the power went out in a hotel, yeah. would not all of those doors just be unlocked because they're power locked now? I don't know how the locks work. I don't know. I don't. Here's the thing. I have to imagine that if the power went out, they would unlock. Because if in the if in a fire, the mm-hmm. power goes out, it would suck if those doors locked. But they're always unlocked from the inside. Yeah, they're always unlocked from the inside. However, still, I also, as a person who has traveled a lot for work and stayed in a lot of hotels, yeah. It is extremely easy to get a new key to your hotel room. The only time a hotel is safer than your house is if you are, like, you have to be, I mean, I know she's the mayor, but you have to be, like, super important. You have to be, like, a penthouse of a hotel that has, like, crazy Ocean's Eleven-style security. With, like, people who drive the elevator up, so you would have to bribe so many people. Yeah, so I don't think it's the five seasons in Riverdale. No, no, no. So the next day, we learn that Josie has vocal polyps, and when she's dressed up, it makes her polyps pop, so she loses her voice. Which is not how vocal polyps work. I don't know how anything of this works. Vocal polyps is a thing that you get when you have damage to your vocal cords, and you have to go through surgery or physical therapy to repair them. They don't just pop up when you're stressed out, but otherwise, you get to have a great, great voice career. No. Watch Piff. Pitch Perfect, which is also not correct, but okay. Uh, Josie also talks to Cheryl. Essentially, about she she says like she feels guilty because she's writing music behind the pussy gets back because apparently Cheryl is like getting her into a studio because she knows someone who's going. to I help half listened. Her. 
is the someone Nick St. Clair. I don't think it's Nick St. Clair. Great. No, it's it's just like she knows like a record producer who mm-hmm. wants to see Josie, not the Pussycats, because why wouldn't you want that? Why wouldn't you want a band of like empowered young ladies as part of your label? Creepy. I'm sure he's creepy. So this is essentially the plot of Josie and the Pussycats, the 2003 movie starring Rachel Lee Cook, except with no fun, no no festivity, and no Piper uh, Parker. Yeah. Josie does apparently have a secret admirer. And Cheryl's creepy about it, and the secret admirer is creepy about it. It says, I'm watching you. You're like, great. We we get a music sting. The kids are just like, ugh, got in my locker again. Never. So, Aaron. Yes, Kevin. What are you drinking tonight? You had a pause there. You scared? <laughs> no, I thought scared? you would. I thought you would continue. I, I don't never know. continue, Aaron. I 40, don't know, Kevin. Forty-six episodes. Hey, Aaron. Yeah, Kevin. What are you drinking tonight? It's a thing. It's a thing we do. I don't know what things are. Let's take it from the top. All right. Hey, Aaron. Yeah, Kevin. What are you drinking tonight? Well, Kevin, as you know, it is unseasonably warm in Calgary. Mm-hmm. We are recording this I mean, on... who de- knows? Well... <laughs> the seasons I, are weird. I feel like it's unseasonably warm because today, when we're recording, it is December 1st. Mm-hmm. And my goal, all winter is to avoid wearing my winter coat for as long as humanly possible. Fair enough. Because I don't like it. Okay. It's I have many winter coats, <laughs> but they're all like, they're kind of constraining. You can't move your arms with like the utmost freedom that a hoodie provides you. Hey, Aaron. So, <laughs> as long as I don't have to wear a coat, I pretend it's summer. Hey, Aaron. So, because it's summer, okay. this is where this is going. No, yeah, yeah, get there. I am drinking a summertime wine. All right. Summer in your mind. It's summer in my mind and in my soul and in my mouth. Because today I'm drinking Apothic Rosé. So Apothic Rosé is a limited release, but it's so popular it will be a forever release. It is a California wine. In the back it says... Peer into the secret garden beyond the veiled gate. Among the pale petals lies a refreshing new blend. This limited release rosé blends layers of strawberries and watermelon with a hint of raspberries for a refreshing wine that is light in color, yet dark in nature. All right. It's good. It tastes like rosé. Okay. This is a very, very dramatic label (laughs) for like a delicious pink wine. All right. It's good, though. I feel so festive and summery on December 1st, 2017. Perfect. So, Kevin, would you like to drink some rosé and feel like it's summer in your mind and in your soul? I don't think I want to have any of your secret garden wine. It's. But, Kevin, you could come into the... No secret garden. Nope. No. All right. No. None of that. All right. None of that weird secret garden stuff. Sure. All right. So, in the Josie storyline, suddenly, 
Chuck Clayton. How many times in this episode are we going to have Josie playing a piano and getting freaked out? But she just stopped like the piano. Yeah, it, she should find it, a different instrument. It clearly scares her. An instrument that she can turn to face the door of the room yeah. she's in. Because Chuck Clayton arrives in, they smoked up those halls. Like, it is a haze. It is hazy and dark and midnight, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah. like, I guess it's not just the janitor's, uh permission that allows you to stay there and we're gonna stay that late at school yeah he probably had football practice yeah no he got kicked off the team so he's just like chilling out i guess yeah but he's like i mean <laughs> essentially he's like hey josie and she's like no and he's like but i think you're kind of pretty so pop tates and she's like no and, and i'm like, like yeah, yeah and he's like maybe i walk you home <laughs> it's like he's like well, then she goes, no. And the next day she tells Cheryl, because mm-hmm. Cheryl's her best friend, Yeah, about this. And at this point I thought, hmm, they didn't pay the pus- pussycats to be in this episode. There's a weird, there's also a weird thing in this scene where, so like Cheryl's like, so do you want, so we're going to go to the studio today? And Josie's like, no, nah, I'm. I have to stay at the school so I can take a eucalyptus steam. And I'm like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> so uh, the school has a steam shower, but the Five Seasons does not. Either that or she has, like, jury-rigged one up in the girls' changing room. <laughs> She's just made her own sauna. I think this mo- the most I get out of this is, like, Cheryl hardcore guilts her. She's like, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, just that... You know, after after what happened, Nick, when you came in to save me, I just, I want to do anything for you because you, you, you helped me. We're just so close, and I just want to help you the way you helped me. I'm like, weren't you guys best friends? Why yeah. weren't you doing any of this stuff beforehand? Why do you have to do the reverse guilt trip? Yeah, why do you have to do that yeah, thing? Yeah, You just helped yeah. me so much. You helped me. You petting <laughs> your hair, which, her hair is very odd. In this episode, Josie usually has amazing hair. Yeah. But she's doing like a weird twist on the half bun thing where she has like a teeny tiny little bun on the top of her head. And the rest of her hair is like, hey, I'm hair. It's a little Ronin. Yeah. 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 Uh, so she has her eucalyptus steam. steam. And then there's the Josie and the Pussycats. Well, I mean, Josie was there. Now it's the Pussycats. And the, again, well, I said this is the Josie and the Pussycats because this is the plot <laughs> of Josie and the Pussycats, the yeah. 2001 movie, which if you have not seen, go watch it. It's so good. It's so kitschy. Yeah. Uh, so Valerie and Melody are upset because Josie's, you know, going behind their back and talking to a record deal. And the most exciting thing about this about this scene Melody gets so many lines. So many lines. So many lines. It's like she's a supporting character on this TV show. She gets the last word in the scene. Valerie leaves and then Melody gets like the last burn in and and turns around. I just thought you'd be better than this. Except a better line than that. Yeah. And And off she goes. Good for you, Melody. No longer and Melody. Now you're just Melody. So then uh, Josie plays some piano. Chuck- no, no, she's not playing piano. She's just in scary school. Oh, that's right. And then Chuck Clayton creeps on up in the creepy school. And she is, like, super scared. But he's like, hey, could I drive you home? No, 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 she offers it. 
Oh, yeah. She, she's, because she, the schools freaked her out so much. And because her mom was like, you need to be safe. Yeah. He, she's like, hey, how about we drive? How about you drive me home? And he's like, can we make a stop first? And the stop is a date. Turns out Chuck Clayton is a real good guy now because this show loves for us to forget our bad guy's sins. He's been going to church with his dad. He took some art classes. And if Riverdale has taught us one thing, it's that art makes previously so-so people really good. Well, I like and how they're making bad people. <laughs> okay, good. I like that they're making him a, a cartoonist. Yeah, he wants to be a cartoonist, just yeah. like Chuck Clayton from the cartoon. Yeah. And and the, I do not here. This may seem weird. I do not believe he is irredeemable as Alice as Alice was for so long. And I will say, maybe because we've seen less of him do bad stuff. Having watched the show for longer, yeah. I'm like. You know, He's of, not that you bad. Know out of all the people that I have seen this show give yeah. us, he has all of a sudden gone really low on the bad guy scale. Because he's been a dick, but at least he's not a real rapist. And, like, the worst thing he's going to do is post a picture of you on Instagram with maple syrup photoshopped on your head. Yeah. Like. Like, he, like at, at that point, he's being essentially a school bully. So he's being a teenager? Yeah. Not, like... A dark-souled bad rapist. Yeah. Or murderer. <laughs> yeah, once you bring in people like God, Alice Cooper and even Hal Cooper to an extent and the entire Blossoms. Or the Ghoulies. And the Ghoulies. So all of a sudden, Chuck Clayton, you know what? I'm fine with his yeah, redemption like, arc. You know what? He's a child. Yeah. He made some bad choices and he's learned to be a less bad child. And you know what? If they do a good redemption arc for Chuck, that would be cool. Because Chuck Lane yeah. in the comics has always been, like, the good guy. He wants to be a cartoonist. He's the shy guy. The one thing I will say is the show is very, very bad at letting any of their characters be truly dark. Yeah, I mean... Other I'm, than, like, one-off characters. Yeah, I mean, Nick... I know, he's in the hospital now forever, I assume. Uh, but Nick also is not from the comics. Yeah. Hey, listeners, is Nick from the comics? Correct me if I'm wrong. But I, I'm going to assume his name is from the comics. But even if the... it's like they're terrified to make comic book reoccurring characters anything other than completely white. I mean, I don't think completely white is the right way of saying it, but they definitely they want don't them want all to, give, to be... They don't even want to give them much gray. Yeah. I mean, no, Dilton... No dark Dilt? gray. I mean, Dilton is probably the one who they've done the most like yeah. weird stuff with. I don't know. I'm fine with Chuck getting a redemption story if they do it well. But meanwhile, Mayor McCoy storms on in there with Sheriff Keller because she's been texting Josie for hours. Yeah. And it turns out that uh, they, quotation marks, have been sending Mayor McCoy death threats. And also, they, quotation marks, threatened Josie in the most recent letter and also Sheriff Keller just gets to like hang out in their room <laughs> he gets the to five hang seasons out there while McCoy yells at her daughter during this mother-child now, now, moment. I can, now I can believe that she is getting death threats yeah. I want to know who they is yeah what's the they I'm assuming it's outside but we don't know because I'm assuming it's not Black Hood I don't know this is one of those things where it seems so weird for her to try to like cover the lead of her daughter being of like the death threats thing. I understand the idea being like, oh, she didn't want her daughter to know. I'm like, you live in a town that's under the threat from a serial killer mm-hmm. who, by the way, do you not does no one remember that he told everybody 48 hours of no sin? No one's mentioning. I thought 
I would have liked if, if at least once her segment, they mentioned the fact that he was like, hey, 48 hours, don't sin. And they're it's like, it, should we not do this? Instead, they're all just like, well, I mean, we'll continue our normal lives then, I assume. I will say, based on, like, subsequent storylines, it makes sense that Sheriff Keller is there during this moment. Can you, can you, but it's still weird. Can you imagine if, like, when Penny Peabody was telling Joker about this thing, he's like, if he was like, hey, do you think we could do this? In, God, like, 72 just, hours? Just another day. Just another day. Look, we got a letter that says just don't be dicks for 48 hours. The How Black can, Hood said no. Can we just not be dicks for 48 hours? Let's mm-hmm. all just sit inside mm-hmm. for 48 hours. But. <sighs> I don't know. I want to know who they is. Josie uh, talks to Cheryl about um uh, Chuck with, like, you know, they had their dance. And, and then Cheryl's like, Chuck, he's the one. He's giving you the creepy-ish. And then, and then there's, like, a musical sting, and we cut to the janitor, like, whipping his head around to them. And I'm like, oh, the janitor's the, the, the stalker. Being like, Josie had a date with Chuck, Chuck Clayton? Yes! <laughs> so and, then they go to the piano room, and there's a drawing of Josie that's like, if I can't have you, no one can! Which, which I assume means that the janitor, who, I, who I'm assuming it is, yeah. um, is the one who, uh, who he drew that in between the time. That, that he she, heard this. And Which means he's a great speed drawer. So or they the, just walked around the school a whole bunch. Then. Inside. Oh, yeah. There's also a gift box. And inside it is a heart. Ah. Which I knew immediately was a pig pig's heart. It's weird because it's clearly a prop because it's not fully bloody. So it, cool. it, it looks like more like it's had like blood syrup poured on it. <laughs> it's like it's a gelatin heart. And they were like, hey. Yeah. Um, yeah. But then they, they immediately go to the student lounge to confront Chuck Clayton. Where the, where there's the another janitors. Where there's, there's another moment where they run up, they walk in, they're shouting at Chuck Clayton, and then you just see the janitor just somewhere, I mean, just like, like turn who? again. <laughs> He's like that dramatic gopher. It's so dumb. <laughs> So then the mayor is talking to her daughter. Erin, you're skipping over the main point oh, of this entire thing. Yeah, I forgot that. So, so they shot okay. at Chuck Clayton. What I wrote is, oh, now Sheriff Keller's involved. So you understand why I just jumped to the next yeah. thing. You, well, it's because it was going very, very fast. So I assume really you're just was. like skipping over things. I was just, I also had a dog laying on my lap and another dog trying to knock over my wine no, glass. That's your fault. So... Uh, so, no, so they're shouting at Chuck Clayton, um, essentially saying that, you know, he's the one who's doing all this stuff. Despite the fact that they really have, I mean, they have the drawing, and I guess Chuck Clayton did say that he's an artist. But now, he didn't say what kind of art he does. He said ca- he likes cartoons. He, he says he wants to be a cartoonist. Which and this just, is not a cartoon drawing. Yeah. Still, he said he's taking art classes, and yeah. he's going to church and this whole thing. Pop Tate's actually like, says like. Yeah, Pop Tate backed him up and being like, hey, Chuck, it was nice to see you at church last week. Hey, are you going to bring Josie? Yeah, she's a sinner. Sinner girl. And then Josie was like, did you plan that? And Chuck was like, I don't know that man. <laughs> I, no, no, no. I, that was really weird. <laughs> I don't know this old man. Uh, so, yeah, they're shouting at Chuck, being like, hey, are you, you're the creepy stalker. And Chuck does a terrible job of He's defending like, himself. No! Church! No, art! No, no. He All he does is go like, Cheryl, what are you talking about? Cheryl, what are you doing? Cheryl, what are you talking about? I'm like, <laughs> can someone... This is... It's, it's like, because once he starts... If he tries to start diffusing the situation, then... 
it would fall apart. But they also don't want him to be too aggressive. So instead, he's just like, "What? What's going on here?" And then the janitor's like, "Hey, Josie, you need is this guy bothering you?" So he bundles Chuck on out of there. Yeah, the janitor's apparently also the bouncer. I don't think he's allowed to do that. I mean, didn't he also bounce? Oh, no. (laughs) No, I'm thinking of the OC Mm -hmm. in their student lounge where the janitor bounced off uh, Eric (laughs) Balfour's character. I don't know if that's the janitor either. Well, there was a teacher there. I think those were actual guards. I think that school actually has guards. This one just has a janitor. (laughs) Great. (laughs) (laughs) And then, um, then Josie's like, you know hang out with her mom and she's very uh sad and then she's like playing the piano and then she, her throat gets slit by the black hood but, but turns it's out it's a, a dream they've done they did they've done it again Aaron. they keep doing this they keep on i bought into this one a little bit a little bit more yeah they were just killing she's the main character Aaron. also sheriff keller is kind of involved in this and he's like don't worry we'll be looking out for that chuck clayton yeah but then she's like her, calm down but she gets her throat sit slit and it's metaphorical because she gets up and then all of a sudden i guess her polyps are acting up and her mom's like what happened what happened she's like oh, and then we cut over to cheryl who is drawing in the same art style we see in the photo herself and josie i so i guess now cheryl loves josie i mean yeah what would what 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 is cheryl josie aaron what is cheryl's plot line in this season what is what is cheryl's plot line ever kevin like she is flitting between so many different things what is her plot line ever my friend she hates her mom she had the whole Nick Sinclair thing for a little bit. And now she's obsessed with Josie. Josie gives her love. No one else gives her love. And then we won't go over to the last one, which we're going to have to sort of speed through, I guess. Uh, and that's Betty and Veronica. It's okay. This one's dumb. So the, the main thing about this one is Betty thinks that the sheriff is the Black Hood. But essentially, the sheriff is just doing his job as a detective for once in his life. Yeah. So Betty's talking to Veronica for some reason, because Veronica's the best one talking to this about. And Betty's like, yeah, the sheriff's doing these things. I think he may be, uh... well, no, sorry, he, they talked to Kevin first. And Kevin's like, yeah. my dad's acting weird. He's, I think he's, you know, sad or something. And you're like, okay. Uh, and then Betty's like, I think he's a black hood. And Veronica's like, no, nah, I think he's having an affair. Then we find out Kevin has a mom. Yeah, the most thing, the biggest revelation from that scene is that Kevin does have a mom. What? What? Okay, so in a short version, Veronica decides to have a sleepover at Kevin's house. Because that's how she solves all her problems. And Betty has an interview with the sheriff where he's like, no, the Black Hood broke in. And then he shows her how the Black Hood <laughs> broke in. The sheriff is incredibly helpful to Betty. I think the sheriff likes Betty. I think so, too. I, th- I think he's like, you know what, Betty? You solved that last crime. a crime that even I couldn't solve. Maybe you could be the new sheriff when I retire. <laughs> Do you want to be the sheriff? You can, you can be the sheriff now. So it turns out the deck. The deputy fell asleep. Of course he did. Cool. I, I don't think there was a deputy there. I think, no, the, de- Aaron, I think the deputy's a dog. I still think there's only two police officers mm. in Riverdale. Mm. Deputy Puppers fell asleep. Mm. Mm. 
<laughs> that, that tiny Pomeranian had a big day. He was so cute. Isn't that right? Isn't but that so right? sleepy. Isn't that right, Deputy Puppers? So um, Veronica and Kevin have a sleepover. There's just the two of them. And there are a couple of very significant moments in the sleepover. Yes. The first of which is Kevin invents his own video or his own board game, yeah. maybe. They're playing a board game. He says you have to roll a six to do something. So I had the indication of like, so they're playing some sort of RPG board game, it feels like. Mm-hmm. But then it pans down and it looks like it's hobbled together. So I'm like, does Kevin design his own board games? Because that would be awesome. And they don't dissuade us, so. Yeah. Cool. I mean, I mean Veronica's like, ugh, nerd stuff. So Betty and Veronica... Why can't, why can't you be like every other gay guy and just listen to my problems? So Betty and Veronica have a uh, phone conversation that we do not care to recap. Because more importantly, Betty wants Veronica to go down into the murder basement. But it's not a murder basement. It's a workout basement. Because of course it's a workout basement. And then we learn the third crazy... Th- third? Second? Do we have a second crazy thing? No. The second is their phone conversation. Right. So it's the third. So the third crazy thing... Sheriff Keller is ripped. He gives Archie Andrews a run for his money. He is way more ripped than Jughead. Veronica says that he gives Fred Andrews a run for his money. And I'm like, no, 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 no. 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 You don't know. No, this man could be a wrestler. This man is is buff. (laughs) Veronica does the worst, like... She's trying to do detecting, but really it's, like, sexy detecting. Yeah. so Kelly's like, all right, no, let's, I guess we'll talk right now. If you, She's like, I want a drink. He's like, well, there's a fridge over there. Like, Here's some Diet Coke. And then he talks to her, and she's like... He talks a lot about his wife, who apparently is in, in, in the Navy. So great. Um, and also, she's like, oh, I bet it must be real lonely without your wife there. And you can see him just be like... I don't want to have this conversation with you. Where is my son? Where's my shirt? Save me, Kevin. I need some something. Need, this is the worst thing ever. So um, during the sleepover, Veronica also witnesses Sheriff Keller leaving the house and coming back home at 4 a.m., which is not shocking because he's the sheriff. He's a cop. And then, and then Betty, when Veronica tells her, pulls out an article that says that a, um, a serpent – no, no a serpent. drug addict. Just a, a, a jingle jangle addict. That's right. Um, she thinks they're okay. They're they're dead. Yeah, they're dead. They fell in front of a train. Though Betty is insistent. Betty is going full conspiracy. This like like somehow for some reason this episode Betty has is carrying the the, the dumb ball. Like, Betty made a mistake, and that was googling who is the Black Hood. <laughs> <laughs> on a sleuth story, and she saw all of the Google theories, and she was like, "Clearly, Sheriff Keller looked at his eyebrows." Yeah, because she so she saw an article about a about a drug addict who fell, who got hit by a train. She's like, "I bet the sheriff pushed him," and I'm like, "I bet the sheriff was looking into it because he's a cop. He's the most cop." <laughs> I thought for there's actually a photo of a cop in the photo, and I'm like, <laughs> "Is that just Keller?" <laughs> he's just being like, mm, "Doing my job." I'm like, "Hello, I'm here." I'm here in the middle of the night because sometimes as the sheriff of a town, you get called away at all kinds of weird hours. Because you're the sheriff. Also, check out how buff I am. So Betty is suspicious that there are many locked doors in the Keller household, which if you remember from season one, someone <laughs> broke, in, broke into his house and stole his beautiful mind wall. Yeah, so of course he locks his... So he has, has now learned. Because 
He's a cop. He has subsequently learned to lock his doors. So someone doesn't break. So Hal Cooper doesn't break into his house and, and steal his beautiful mind wall. So instead, Betty Cooper breaks into his house with the key she knows is there because she is Kevin Keller's best friend. Yeah. And then she breaks into his study with her bobby pin and finds the beautiful mind wall yeah. and also the hood that he there's, took from Reggie. There's a few things about this beautiful mind wall I really like, though, is one of the notes <laughs> is that Sheriff Keller has ran down the seven deadly sins and just posted them on the wall. He's there's, like... There's no strings between oh, no. them. <laughs> He's just like, sloth, gluttony. God, what's, what's that movie, Seven? What's in the box? Like, what else is there? Maybe. Lust. Are we seven? It would be easy if we're seven. <laughs> okay, I, I guess... Man, why can't I be Morgan Freeman? Oh, if I was Morgan Freeman. Or Brad Pitt. Nah, his mm. wife dies. I could be Morgan Freeman. Who was assisting me on this show? <laughs> They're clearly the murderer. <laughs> Who is my Kevin Spacey? Kevin, no. You know, Kevin Spacey's just a John Doe. Like, he, he's not assisting them at all. He just walks into the... But who's the one? In Seven? Yeah. The murderer? Yeah. Kevin Spacey. Right. But but he but, but also in in the movie he just walks into the oh they, that's right <laughs> the yeah. funny thing with seven they don't actually catch him he actually just turns himself in who is his Kevin Spacey Kevin <laughs> Hal Cooper oh, yeah maybe it's maybe it's Hal Cooper uh, okay but then so... of course he comes in as she's holding onto the black hood and then he is a very very good man a very good man yeah because he does not call alice cooper <laughs> yeah he calls hal yeah he's like all right well i better call your parent no no i better call hal i better call your dad I, look i have a choice here your dad broke into my house and stole my beautiful mind wall but your mom's alice cooper i'm not gonna call i'm gonna your call dad. hal would be crazy if he like called like Archie. <laughs> Archie, I have literally no one else to turn to in this situation. Look, look. Her parents are bad. He <laughs> called Luke Perry Andrews, <laughs> and is like, "Look, I don't understand. You live across the street from her. I can't call it parents. It, her, her father robbed me. Can you just take her home and be like, hey, Coopers? Some, Your daughter. There's something amazing about the image <laughs> of a scene where you have Sheriff Keller sitting down. With talking, a phone list. Talking, no, talking to Hal Cooper about his, how his daughter broke into <laughs> his house. Because it's Hal Cooper. <laughs> like, and then. Hal Cooper, your daughter broke into my house. Remember, like you did, three months ago. And then Sheriff Keller is like, so she found this hood. I get it. I get it. She thinks of my murder hood. It's not. I'm a cop. I'm like, I confiscated it from Archie Andrews' dumb friend. You're like he also doesn't rationalize like, oh, like how Archie, how I found it in Archie's. Oh, oh you know like, what? I, it turns out I might have overreacted on Archie. He's like, hey, Betty, I know you're upset. Here's my police logbook. It'll tell you where I was during all of those murders. There's so much in this scene that I think that, like Sheriff Keller's having just like, so, like there's so much underlying low key ridiculousness in a very simple scene of just three people. So Kevin, oh. is Sheriff Keller somehow the best parent 
in Riverdale now. Oh, no. A hundred percent. I always believed he was the best parent. Is he better than Luke Perry Andrews? I think they're tied. I always love Sheriff Keller because of his relationship with Kevin I Keller. Know. Like when. um. But it's when parents reach out to other people's children and yeah. are good. Yeah. No. I, I think he did. I think he's a terrible cop. He's a very bad <laughs> but cop. But I think he's a really good, like. There was Parent. a beautiful mind wall moment last season. There was the uh, cruising moment this season. He's a very yeah. good dad. Also, I don't believe a lot of the stuff that like happens are all his fault because Sheriff McCoy is uh, just like stomping on his y- yeah. jurisdiction everywhere. And we learn some crazy things about that. For example, well, so Betty still stays. What? This Vaguely is what it... suspicious. Oh, no, Aaron. Intensely suspicious. You have to be intensely suspicious to go to someone's house and follow them. So, Betty and Veronica are in a station wagon that I don't know who it belongs Wait, to. How many nights is this? Because they have the night they have the sleepover. When... And then she breaks into the house during the daytime. During the day the next time, and right. This is the night this of the break-in, night. yeah. Okay. So, it's still 48 hours. Yeah. So, yeah. So, Betty and Veronica are there. Uh, Chef Killer's driving away. Betty is full-on insane. She's like, that's his murder bag. He's going to murder someone at this motel here. And Kevin and I were convinced. Actually, we were convinced that Mama Keller was in town. She had, like, furlough for 48 hours. And she thought it would be too cruel to Kevin to be like, hey, buddy, I'm home for zero time. Yeah. But she couldn't resist Seeing her husband. Yeah. Um, but we, we, forgo- we forgot it was Riverdale. <laughs> which, so, means, which means the most ridiculous thing that should happen. And the most ridiculous thing was... Sheriff Keller is having an affair with Mayor McCoy. At a motel that's not the Five Seasons. Because I would presume she and Josie have their own hotel rooms in the Five Seasons. So I- also, it would not be suspicious for the police sheriff... To go see the mayor and be like, hey, we have private news to discuss. So Aaron. Yeah. Aaron. Yeah. He left this night and the night before. Do what also happened the night before. The murder. No. Josie. McCoy McCoy and the sheriff went to go find Josie. Which means they, they, which the reason that it took her so long to find her daughter is because she was having sex with the sheriff and then was like, I should check where my daughter is. Like, the the storylines like that makes the storyline so much more confusing because well Josie or either that or they went home Sheriff Killer did all her shouting and, and then, then he was like oh hey shimmy shimmy yeah this also confuses me so I guess on the the night of the sleepover Sheriff Keller went with McCoy to pick up her daughter, went back to her hotel room, went back to his house, did some working out. And then went back to her. back to McCoy. So... No, because the Sheriff Keller... No, because night one, Josie gets home late because she's hanging out with Cheryl and she's playing the piano and her mom's like, don't you get home late again? Yeah. Oh, no, you're right. So night two... Well... Yes. He does his sheriff. So he is like, Betty, stop creeping my house. Yes. Then he deals with McCoy and Josie. Then he goes back to his house. No, no, no. no. Yes. On night two, he. Well, night, night, night two. He deals with Betty. That is when Josie. Is caught. Yes. That's what, because remember the first, the first night where we first see no. Josie. 
That can't be. That has to be. It's the only way it works. But then Josie's storyline takes place over more than 48 hours. Aaron, it's dumb. This is why I'm losing my damn mind. No, because Kevin, just let me say this. Yeah. So Josie's storyline, she plays the piano. Yes. The janitor is creepy. He's yes. like, you can stay here as long as you want. Yeah, she goes to her house. She gets home. Yes. Her mom is like, hey, Josie, don't come home late. You you come home straight from school. Yes. The next day. It happens, Yes. Then she Chuck asks her out at school. Yes. Um, she says no. Yes. Then after school, she has the eucalyptus shower. The pussycats are sassy. Yep. Chuck drives her to Pop Tates. Yep. They have their Pop Tates dinner. Yep. Sheriff and Mayor McCoy pick her up. So that's yep. night two. Yeah. Then he has another day. Yeah. And then she has the scary night. Because she, she shouts at Chuck Clayton that day, during the day after her date with him. And then that night, she has she dreams of the cut. And then I guess goes... Because the entire episode ends with all three of them... At Pop Tate. At Pop Tate. And then that is right before Jughead goes to see his dad in jail. I thought that the Pop Tate's storyline took place... After him seeing his dad in jail. No, no, because because they, they show in the last episode when Jughead's no, like, no. I have to get there early. Yeah, yeah. I know they showed that. I yeah. thought after he saw his dad and after he saw Penny Peabody, he went back to Pop Tate's. No, because... And they didn't show that. Because he says the same line. And also, he leaves the um, the diner before uh, Pop Tate's does his thing. Okay, so that means that Jughead and Archie's storyline takes place over 24 hours. And Josie's storyline takes place over 72 hours. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's where the th- thematic thing kind of falls apart. Unless her story starts before the rest of them start. I, I, no, Josie's storyline has to start before the rest of them starts. Like, her her beginning thing... Starts before for... the note is nailed on the door of Pop Tate's. I guess? It has to. Because she literally has three nights. Yeah, because she has the, the slice on the neck... Wait a second. ...during the night. But then... When Betty and Veronica see Sheriff Keller, yeah, that happens at like seven p.m. and they immediately go to Pop Tates. I guess so, but that doesn't make any sense because because Josie hallucinates getting her throat slit and then goes to Pop Tates with Cheryl and her mom is at. I guess her mom goes out to bang Sheriff. No, wait, that's the night after that that happens. No, is no, Josie what? just having a nap. What is happening? Maybe oh Josie's just having a nap. Maybe she's having a nap. This is like this. That's the problem. Like, I tried to. I tried to do that during the episode, trying to think of like how the time. It's, it doesn't work with McCoy and McCoy and Keller are the ones that ruin the timeline because the, all the things that they have to do. No, it would. It would. I think Josie wrecks the timeline because Josie has she, three nights. She. Yeah, but I'm willing. I'm willing to. I guess. No. Accept that her mom would. Josie has two nights where she comes home, and her mom is like, WTF. Yeah, but she has that And then she has the dream night. Yeah. but Josie wrecks it. But the dream night is the same night that Archie and Jughead deliver the package. It can't be. That's the only way it works. It can't be. Unless if they deliver the package, a full day went by, then they have their talk at Pop Tates. Because, because... If we're going by two nights, yeah. she gets home late. Her mom says, don't come late again. So that's night one. No. Night two yeah. has to be they find her at Pop Tate's. Yeah. No, I agree. 
And then, then she has night through. Because, Aaron, remember, Josie and Cheryl shove through Jughead and Archie while they're at the school talking about delivering the drugs. But Jughead and Archie don't have three nights. Jughead and Archie only have two nights. They have one night. No, no. I would argue that Penny Peabody being like, you need to deliver this for me. Yeah. Is one night. And then delivering it is night two. Well, the problem is, that the problem is of course, that So they we, have two nights. I don't think, I don't remember seeing their first night is the thing. The scene the first night is Penny Peabody being like, deliver this tomorrow so, night. So tomorrow night. Yeah. Right, I'm fine with that. Yes. But that's, that still puts. So they have two nights. Yeah. But that still puts the night that, the, the day that Cheryl and. um. Yes. Josie and Cheryl are the problem. Yeah. Veronica and Betty's storyline also makes sense. Yeah. No, it makes sense. Just because sense. the night that Veronica has the sleepover. Yeah. That is the night that Sheriff Keller went and found Josie with Chuck Clayton, yeah. and that was that thing. He came home. He worked out. Yeah. Then he left to meet Mayor McCoy. I'm fine with that all happening off screen. Yeah. And the second night, he went to meet Josie and Mayor McCoy, and he was like, don't worry. We're going to track Ch- Chuck. It's fine. He went home. He did like his thing with Kevin, and then he left to meet Mayor McCoy. It's the Josie storyline that screws it up. Because Josie has an extra night yeah, before the rest of the night. at the beginning. Nights. Yeah. But, but I'm, I'm just trying to figure out what happens on the same night. So, so, okay, so jo- on jo- the- Josie's first night is her own night. Yeah. Nothing else happens that night. So night number one yes. is Penny says, Jughead, deliver this package tomorrow. Yes. Um, Josie goes on the date with Chuck. Um, yes. Veronica has the sleepover. Yes. Night two yep. is Archie and Jughead of their massive adventure. Yep. Um, Josie gets a, Josie confronts Chuck. Yep. And then she has a visit from mayor or from the mayor and from the sheriff being like, Hey, don't worry. We're going to check, check yeah. him out. And don't she has, worry. then she has the throat slit dream. Cause she has a nap, I guess. <laughs> Before and then she, goes out afterwards. Then goes out with Cheryl. Yeah. And then Betty and Veronica follow Sheriff Keller yeah. to the motel and then go to. Pop Tates. So Mayor McCoy her daughter had the creepy dream. And then she was like, Then yeah, she I'm immediately have some went sex. to her sex motel. Like the amount the amount of stuff that Keller and McCoy have to bounce around between is hilarious. And I'm okay with Keller bouncing. I'm less okay with McCoy bouncing. Because even in the first night with um Keller like being like going like Getting getting jo- Chuck get, and Josie. Josie, then going back home and we're, I guess he's getting himself pumped up for a sec. Like, yeah, how did it happen? Like, like essentially, McCoy did her shouting at Josie, and then there's like, all right, I'll see you in a few hours. He's yeah, like, see you in hey, few hours. I'm riled. Got to go lift some weights, <laughs> and then we'll meet at our sex motel. Yes, let's meet at our sex motel. Also, I think Veronica thinks Sheriff Keller's not home, so. Maybe that makes sense. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't, don't know. know. This oh god, it falls apart so much. I do what I would have done. Hmm. I would put a jug and Archie in the middle because it's so yeah. short. Yeah, yeah. Um, be, and well, because theirs is so weird because everyone else stretches out over forty hours. Theirs really focuses on that night, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which means I would have put it either or the middle or the end. Last, I would put Josie first because hers is the longest. Yeah. And then you could have done a thing where, like, Betty and Veronica jumped back to where Josie was. Yeah. And then Archie and Jughead Also, Josie starts back. the first. Yeah. 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 Because both Betty and Jughead start to the night where they wake up together. Yeah. Because they both get the phone call that day. Yeah. Yeah. What is very important, despite our trying to disseminate this timeline, is Pop Tate says, a reckoning 
is upon us. Yeah, Pop Tates gets a call from the butt. I mean, he doesn't just say it randomly. <laughs> Pop Tates doesn't just be like, by the way, kids, there's a reckoning upon us. Uh, I'm just bringing us back to the storyline and not our own. No, um, what happens is he gets a phone call. And in and so in this, in right now, there's Josie, mm-hmm. Cheryl, mm-hmm. um, Betty and Veronica and Archie. Because Jughead n- just left. And none of them are interacting with each other, by the nope, way. They're just... The only people in the restaurant. They're all still in their own storylines. And then Pop Tates gets a call. We learn from the back hood. And then he looks around and says, look at all these 15-year-olds. He's like, I got an idea. Hey, children, you failed the test. <laughs> and I, I want to be like, do you guys, you guys know there was a test going on? You're children. Do you, do you guys know that there was like, for the last 48 hours, something was happening. I feel like none of us really talked about it. Like, well, let's do it now. <laughs> Yeah, so, no, they, they failed the test that they did not remem- remind us was going on. The reckoning, it's upon them. Can I say one very clear indication? Yeah. That, remember how we keep on joking that Josie isn't a main character? And yeah. I know she gets her full segment in this one. Um, Still in not that a main character. Fi- in that final scene, you don't see Josie. No, Cheryl stands Cheryl up from the booth. Cheryl stands up, and Josie's spot is covered up. Yeah. Could they not shoot with her? Could she also have just stood up? Kevin, we need to save some money. We need to go to Vancouver and research this ish. How would how would going to Vancouver make us research That's that? That's where they film. I don't know how that would help, though. You have red hair. Be like, hey, I'll be an extra. I I think they very specifically. I don't think they're gonna have any redhead extras because every person with red hair that show is important. Apparently, they're like, oh no, it will prove that these people do not have real red hair. And, I'll, yeah, and they'll, they'll be like, oh no, they'll think they're one of the blossoms. <laughs> <laughs> they'll think they're a main character. We can't do that. That strong boned man with the beard and the long hair. Oh no. <sighs> so, Erin. Okay. Yeah. Throughout this episode, did you find yourself a CW moment? Oh, my goodness. You guys, a CW moment is a moment where logic is just thrown out the door and run over by Jughead's motorcycle. <laughs> and only drama is left. My moment is the moment that Tony Todd was like, uh, I only have room for one person and that crate. But, hey, don't look under the tarp. Because it's a deer. There are literally a zillion different ways that could have been phrased if they were not just trying to build drama. He could have just been like, by the way, there's a deer under there. If you don't want to see the dead body of a deer, I wouldn't look underneath it. Because he's a hunter and he has a license, he says. But Kevin, would that have made us worried about Jughead's safety? I was never worried about Jughead's safety from no. Tony Todd. During this, like, mid-season episode. Yeah. Also, also Tony Todd's not going to be the killer. Maybe in two weeks. We'll see. (laughs) Also, we've seen the Black Hood. Though he can change his eye color, he certainly cannot change his level of tanness. No, he certainly is a white guy, and Tony Todd certainly is not. Exactly. (laughs) So, Kevin, did you find a CW moment? My CW moment also has to do with Tony Todd. (laughs) Great. Because... That was insane. But my Tony Todd moment is when he all of a sudden decided he wants this kid to pay for his dinner. And then he's going <laughs> to steal his box of stuff. And then he just gives up. And what is he going to do with that box? Like, I thought the, the idea was going to be that he also just, like, he knew it was in the box he wanted to steal it. But then Archie comes in and is like, no, no, I'll pay. Do you take debit? And then he's like, well, I guess I'm done. All oh, right. I did my thing. Goodbye, sinners. 
Like, <laughs> why, why, he... He, well, he was very creepy. And it's great to have a creepy old man. I don't understand why he all of a sudden became super aggressive against Jughead. Like, he's having a, like, it's weird to say, a friendly creepy chat with Jughead. Being like, yeah. let me tell you about the Reaper. And then the then the, this terrifying <laughs> witch comes over and slams the bill down. And then he's like, this kid's going to pay. And he's like, I don't have any money. And then he's like, well, then I'm going to take your box and leave it here. And then the, then the waitress is like, no, neither of you can leave. What is happening? What you, you're an adult. That's a teenager. And I'm an angry waitress at a truck stop. <laughs> Look, none of us should be in this situation. <laughs> the thing is, no one thinks he's going to die right now. Maybe in two weeks. I mean, it... I, I, yeah, it I heightens some unnecessary stakes. Yeah, I think it was just supposed to be creepiness, and I'm fine with that. I, I you know, what? everything up until then, I was like, yeah, build that ambiance. But the fact that the accumulation of it was him all of a sudden just deciding to to steal do, the box, but he, just because he wanted to. With no end game, what's he gonna do yeah, with that he, box? I guess he assumes that they're. You know what I would do if I assumed that? I would assume <laughs> they got something from like IKEA. <laughs> like, I have your bookcase now, suckers. <laughs> now, who has your slow flume? <laughs> <laughs> this, will go, this will go great next to my new. Like, <laughs> it's like, what are you saying? What? My <laughs> We don't have IKEA in Riverdale. <laughs> do, do we know Fia? We have no Fia. <laughs> we get all of our things from Branson's construction store. They construct really good bookcases no, for if, us. If it's, if it's a one, if it's a one shot thing, you know, it's just going to be a dump like Grindum and Triple C <laughs> and S- Sleuthster. So a modification of IKEA. I am so unhappy now that Sleuthster wasn't like Griggle or something. <laughs> hey, did you Griggle it? I know I griggled it. You couldn't find anything. I love st- Sleuthster. Sleuthster is my new best I like, friend. I like Grindem. <laughs> Grindem is very good. Not even something on Grindem. Oh my god! We need to make Grindem.com the Instagram. Why couldn't you just do Grinder? Why does it have to be Grindem? Why does it have to be Grindem? Either that or she mispronounced it. No, this is an alternative universe. Triple C, <sighs> Triple C. This is an AU. Uh, if you like this episode, you should uh, give us a rating, review, subscription on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to us. You can also hit us up on some social medias. We're called Podcast MOA, Podcast MOA. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. We have email. Our email is also Podcast MOA, Podcast MOA, MOA at gmail.com. And this is not an alternative universe. This is actually how you contact us. Yeah, we love we love uh, reading your emails. We love seeing your messages, and you should uh, you should tell your friends about the show. We love it when you answer our insane questions on Instagram yeah. or Twitter. We don't always respond to you, but we always love it. Yeah, we love hearing from you. So get back to us. <laughs> What will be the Black Hood's reckoning? What is Penny Peabody's plan with Jughead? Will Josie get her voice back? I'm just kidding. I don't really care. For answers to all this and more, join us next week on Mystery, Outsiders, and Abs. A teen drama fan cast? 